0: Support for The Moth comes from Odoo. If you feel like you're wasting time and money with your current business software, or just want to know what you could be missing, then you need to join the millions of other users who switched to Odoo. Odoo is the affordable all-in-one management software with a library of fully integrated business applications that help you get more done in less time for a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash moth. That's odoo.com slash moth. Odoo, modern management made simple. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm your host for this week, Michelle Jalowski. While putting together this episode, I remembered one thing I've almost completely forgotten about during the pandemic, fashion. I'm literally recording this in my closet right now, and I realize I haven't been in here in kind of a while. As someone who's been mostly working from home, it's all I can do to put on pants most days, much less a full-on outfit. I remember getting dressed, but to be honest, it feels like a distant memory. Whether you've been rocking the pantsless look at home like me, or getting all dressed up to brave the outside, pandemic fashion has certainly shed some light on our innermost style desires which is why I love the stories in this episode. All about some interesting fashion choices and their consequences. Our first story is all about the power of a statement piece. Jonathan Mannheim told this story at a slam in Chicago where the theme of the night was endings. Here's Jonathan, live at the mall.
1: So in 2011, I had a sweater that was <laughs> one sweater. It was an argyle sweater. It was a rainbow argyle sweater. Okay. So it was, it was pretty hideous. Um, every diamond was a different color. And it was bad enough that my girlfriend at the time uh, asked me to stop wearing it out with her friends. So I should have retired this sweater. But I didn't retire this sweater. So one day, um, I guess it was November, It was laundry day. I don't know. I wore it. I thought I'm just going to run some errands. I I took the train downtown. I'm getting off at Monroe, and an elderly woman gets punched in the face, and they steal her phone, and they run off the train, and a week, literally a week before, I was on the train at Cermak, Chinatown, and another man got punched in the face, and they took his phone, and they ran off the train, and I did nothing. So a week later, it happens again, and I sort of snapped. So I run off the train, I have no plan. I'm wearing this terrible Argyle sweater. I had left the house thinking, luckily no one will see me today. And I go up the escalator and I scream at these two teenagers, I guess they were, please stop. And they laughed, they literally laughed at me. And then they took off down State Street. And so my plan at this point is, hey, I can outrun them. So I'm running, we're running south on State Street. I call the police, I'm like, hey, I'm following these two thieves. They've taken an iPhone. I'm on state and now I'm on Wabash. Could you guys come? And so we're having this conversation and I'm like signaling people like, hey, could you trip them? Could you stop them? They've stolen a phone, but I'm wearing this terrible sweater and no one is taking me seriously. And so I look ridiculous. Um, we hit Wabash and Monroe and a guy with a star, I was like, thank God, it's a sheriff. And I'm like, hey, you, there's, they're thieves. And he's like, dude, I'm a Marshall Fields cop. I can't do anything. So, so we keep running. They go, into an, <laughs> they go into an H&M, and then it's like a sitcom. They um, like push down the clothes, and I like fall over them. And we run out of the H&M, and they run into the subway, and they hop the, uh, turnstile, and I pay. And then... Because <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to get in trouble. So then they they catch the, the train going south, and they, they got away from me because they were on the train going south, so I, like, go up the stairs, and actually, it's been, like, five minutes, and the cops are there, and I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm the guy who called. Um, and so then they... Uh, they put me in the back of the cop car and they're like, are they on the train? I'm like, are they on the train? So we, we go like 100 miles an hour to Roosevelt. And I seriously, for four blocks, we go 100 miles an hour, or I don't know. And then we, they, they're like, just hang on. I'm gonna, we're gonna slow roll the train to the station. And so they they slow roll it and they're like, just hang in the back here, we're gonna, um." We're gonna bring them up and you can ID them. And so they bring them up and i are like, is this them? And I'm like, yeah, that's them. And he's like, oh, great job. And then he's like, one sec. And he closes the cop door and he says, oh, shit. And then I'm locked in the back of the cop car and he had lock, left his keys in the ignition. Uh, so I'm on like, Staten Roosevelt for an hour. We're blocking every lane of traffic and all these cops are knocking on the window like, good job, man, we'll get you out in a bit. So later that night, or that afternoon, they take me to the police station, which I I think is on, I think it was on State and 18th, and they uh, had actually, were taking photos of me as a witness, and so I had this terrible Argyle sweater, which were later used in a court case, Um, so that was the last time I ever wore that sweater.
0: Was Jonathan Mannheim. Jonathan is a doctor in Chicago specializing in infectious disease. He likes biking, running animals and backyard grown vegetables. He lives with his partner Lizzie and their two cats. Jonathan tells us that he unfortunately got rid of the infamous sweater a while ago. However, he says if he hadn't, he thinks folks these days would appreciate it for all its technicolor glory. Jonathan may be down one memorable sweater, but he has amassed a pretty impressive collection of colorful, patterned shirts. To see some photos of his favorites, head to our website, themoth.org slash extras. In fashion, trends come and trends go. Some return years later, but others stay firmly in the past. Our next story is about a divisive look, which honestly might be due for a comeback. Evan Watts told this at a story slam in Melbourne where the theme of the night was disguises. Here's Evan, live at The
2: Moth. Uh, In the bottom of a drawer somewhere, I have two silver medals. Uh, Actually, for ballroom dancing. Um, One for Latin and one English old time. I went to uh, a single sex boys school and if you wanted to meet girls, uh, the only way you could do that was to enrol in dance classes. <laughs> and so I dutifully enrolled and, you know, we would have, we would dance with each other, but it, uh, sort of the, the culmination of the dance classes was, was when we would go to a social with the, like a sister school. And I remember one particular social rocked up and uh, I met the love of my life, Faye. I remember hanging around at the bus at the end, uh, very, very uh, proudly displaying numerals that had been etched on the back of my hand, and yeah, yeah, I I got a number, mate, yeah, I got a number. And uh, I was very excited by this, and and we then embarked on what I consider a a long-distance relationship. It was because uh, the phone, it had a very long-distance cord, and I could stretch it all the way from its uh, place in the hall all the way into the bathroom, plonk it next to the bath, and then dutifully go through the entire uh, water supply, hot water, as I had these interminably long conversations. But eventually, of course, I had to pluck up the courage to uh, ask her on a date. Um, and this is 1978. And even though uh, you know we danced the cha-cha-cha and, that's not a euphemism. We really had danced the cha-cha-cha, <laughs> and we'd waltzed, and we'd done all that. Actually, uh, what ruled the dance floors was disco. Um, John Travolta as Tony Marino, and and the B.G. singing the high notes, and that was what was really exciting. I'd actually even convinced my mother to go out and buy me uh, a John Travolta suit. <laughs> and. Kind of unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know, it was brown and not white, but it actually had, you know, bell-bottoms that kind of arrived on the dance floor way before I did and, <laughs> and had huge lapels and, and, and I was just itching to wear this suit. And, and so I asked Faye out and, you know, she lived in the hills and we were only 15. I didn't drive, I had to kind of convince my mother to drive me up, pick her up. But her father was gonna take us down to, um, uh, the station, and we were going to go to see a film. It was actually the opening weekend of Saturday Night Fever. And, you know, I was really excited, and I was kind of was checking myself out in the mirror, and I'm looking at the suit, and it's, you know, it's kind of lunchtime on a Saturday, but, you know, and I'm thinking, no, 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 this looks pretty good. No, it looks pretty good. I'm, you know, I'm going to make an impression, and I think, well, actually, what do you do on these sort of dates? Well, you buy flowers. Of course, you buy flowers. So I sort of broke the bank and bought these flowers and then I rock up at her door in my suit with the the blue bodysuit and the hush puppies that have got heels like this and I'm standing there with my flowers and the door opens and she's excited and then her face drops. She's standing there in jeans and a t-shirt and she's just gone to the film and there's this guy standing there and, and then her father appears and he takes one look at me and he goes, are we off? And so we... <laughs> and in the confusion, I'm, I'm, we've still got the flowers and, and we're on the train and everyone's kind of looking at us and, and it, she sort of very self-consciously has the flowers and I say, oh, I'll, I'll hold them and she goes, you know, so I've got the flowers. But that wasn't the worst bit, actually. Because <laughs> we get to the, it's the opening weekend, there's a queue a mile long outside the cinema and. And we're standing there and it's a Saturday, it's two o'clock, it's blistering hot, and there's all these people in their casual clothes, <laughs> except one schmuck in a three piece suit with the pells and the hush puppies and the bodysuit. And I can't kind of figure out, is all that sweat just the embarrassment or the fact that it's, you know, thirty degrees? And then I look around and I realise that the flowers I'm holding are not holding up at all well. And in fact, Faye actually is standing just far enough away that she's not really with this guy. I don't even really remember the film. I, 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 think I've, I don't think I've ever watched it since. I think it would just bring too many <laughs> traumatic memories back. But anyway, uh, you know, we, we end up um, I do remember, though, that um, John DeVolta's character doesn't end up with the girl in the end. I think that was something that I do remember. Anyway, we get the train back to um, back home, and her father picks me up and uh, picks her up, and I'm just going to walk home from the station. And uh, and I I do remember her her dad's pitying look, actually. And he uh, and as they drove away, I looked down and I realised I'm still holding the goddamn flowers thank you very much
0: that was Evan Watts Evan works as an English teacher at an independent secondary school in outer suburban Melbourne Australia but he says in an alternate universe he's touring the world with the love of his life telling stories and busking with his ukulele for loose change and a bite to eat like Jonathan's sweater, Evan's Saturday night fever suit is long gone, but you can see some photos of his other groovy fashion choices on our website, themoth.org slash extras. That's all for this week. We hope you take joy in your style, rainbow sweater, three-piece suits and all, no matter what the peanut gallery has to say about it. As Harry Winston said, people are going to stare, make it worth their while. From all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Michelle Jalowski is a producer and director at The Moth, where she helps people craft and shape their stories for stages all over the world. This episode of The Moth Podcast was produced by me, Julia Purcell, with Sarah Austin Jeunesse and Sarah Jane Johnson. The rest of The Moth's leadership team includes Catherine Burns, Sarah Haberman, Jennifer Hickson, Meg Bowles, Kate Tellers, Jennifer Birmingham, Marina Kluche, Suzanne Rust, Brandon Grant, Inga Godowski, and Aldi Caza. Moth stories are true as remembered and affirmed by storytellers. For more about our podcast, information on pitching your own story, and everything else, go to our website, themoth.org. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org.